0: In the fall each year we all congregate, the found all gathered at the church of getting The scriptures reading from the book of Munson, our favorite verse, my God of praise. Drunk and obnoxious, notches well, Georgia faith, ain't enough to find her in the lane. Now the 3,000 of our best friends, it's Saturday and that thing.
1: Welcome to the Saturday Night the Podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldog show. I'm your host, Seth Saunders, and we are joined by our third guest picker of the year, uh, songwriter and country music recording artist, and certainly a damn good dog, Travis Denning. Travis, welcome to the show, brother. Good to see you, brother. Good to be here. Well, so first off, I want to hear a little bit about your Georgia story. So I understand. Grew up in Warner Robins, correct? Yes, sir. Warner Robins, Georgia, born and raised. Graduated as a demon, is that right? Yes, sir. Went to One
0: Robins High. They, uh, they decided to get really, really good at football again once I graduated and, and moved out of town. But uh, I'm still very excited for them and, and the crazy success they've had over the past couple of years. Yeah, back-to-back state champs, right? Back-to-back state champs. And prior to that, two visits that they probably should have won. You know, I mean, just so. I mean, they, they were constantly on the cusp. and It was cool to see them finally go back-to-back.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, so I also understand if I read right, your dad and your granddad were both Georgia season ticket holders. Yes.
0: My, um, my, my dad actually grew up going to games with his father. And when my papa passed away, my dad always said that his biggest regret was just he wished that he had inherited um, papa's like where he like where he was in the, like, donor thing and everything. He's like, I feel like I would have continued to grow upon that. But my dad started his own, you know, as far as season tickets and his donations and things. And, yeah, man, I mean, for as long as I can remember, I think my first game, I was three years old. I mean, our Saturdays were spent going to Athens for home games. You know, I didn't get to sleep in. I didn't get to watch no Saturday morning cartoons. It was, like, <laughs> up at 630 so we could be – tailgating and having a hot dog and a hamburger about you know 9 30 and some some barbecue and bowl peanuts and all that and it was just such a massive part of my upbringing i mean i'm i'm so thankful i had that because it until i got older i didn't realize how many of my friends like that was a total foreign thing to them was to be able to go to a georgia game and right. um I'm, I'm so i'm so blessed i think i've probably been to probably 115 to 120 home games in
1: my life, I think. That's incredible. Yeah. So where's y'all section? What do y'all, where's your dad's seats and stuff? Uh, 336. Oh, love it. And do y'all have like a spot that y'all park every, every year or different spots or where do y'all set up?
0: Well, lately they've probably even since my last, you know, like my last couple of years in high school, they would actually park like in like the, like East Campus, which is a little bit of a haul. I mean, it's kind of a lot, but there was a parking garage there that, you know, was easy to get in and out of and get out of the city pretty fast. Uh, early on, we always used to tailgate, you know, right there on Broad Street by the, the Arches, uh, and yeah. or the Arch. And, uh, you know, it was so awesome to tailgate there because that just felt like you were in dead center you know, in the campus. You were right by all the bars and the craziness going on there. But that field, being able to, you know, throw the football with other kids and, and my parents hanging out. And and they kind of – like the older they got and the more and more crazier, like tailgating became a part of Georgia football. And, and honestly, the better Georgia got at football and it got more busy, they started going like – uh, we got to find somewhere not so busy, not so packed. that we don't have to get here at 6 a.m. to get a spot, you know. Um, so, yeah, kind of like East Campus is, is where they're at
1: usually these days. So, we're always interested in this when we have our performers on. Are you, like, as soon as the schedule comes out, just waiting with bated breath to see when kickoff times are going to be to make sure they're not going to run into showtime and all that type stuff?
0: Well, I don't get too worried about it because – i i mean there ain't a damn thing i can do to control that you know like <laughs> right, if, we, right. if we got if we got a seven o'clock kickoff i'm just screwed i mean i usually just i'll probably put it up on my phone and i've got a little uh i got a little like bar that i made over covid that's kind of my little my little drink holder on stage and i'll it has a little recessed thing so i'll put my phone like uh, and nobody can see it but they're like People be like, damn, he's gone back to that little bar like so many times during during the show. And I'm peeking <laughs> over. Funny, funny story, that happened last year. Uh, I was opening for Brothers Osborne, and it was the Clemson-Georgia game, like opening game. And they had been playing for like 20 minutes. And then I went on stage, and we all know how close that game was. I mean, there's videos of me playing a guitar solo with my back to the crowd looking at my phone. It was not not one of my best uh, entertainment moments, but, uh, hey, you know, you got to watch it somehow.
1: Well, hey, look, I feel like the country music fan base is also largely entwined with the college football fan base. Everybody understands that, brother. Everybody be in the same boat. I'd be doing the same thing. A hundred percent,
0: man. It's just, hey, you know, I'm planning a wedding with my fiance right now. And like the number one rule when we were talking about this, I was like, we can't get married in the fall. I was like, because you, you know, and it, it, even she's like, Oh no, you're right. I mean, you know, it's like, yep. you can't expect people to drop, drop those big games or something come see I was like we'll do it in the spring when we're all relaxed and Georgia has either won it again or we lost and I'll be over it by then. And it will be good.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. That's, that's a good plan for sure. So now, I mean, you had a good streak going because hundred plus games. That's you're probably going mostly every year. When was the first year that you kind of couldn't make it because of shows or or whatever it may be, and and what was that like? I mean, no, it's it's a different experience watching on TV from being there, but in some ways, the way the tech is now. Right. It's, 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 you don't, I feel like from a viewer perspective, we always go back and watch the TV copy because you feel like you do miss some things because they cover it so well on TV, but you do miss the juice and the atmosphere.
0: The last great year I had where I got to go to a lot of games was uh, 2017. It was actually our national championship run. Um, I'd signed my record deal and I'd been recording. And, you know, one of the big things when you're a new artist, like, What you really kick your kind of career off with is something called radio tour. And essentially, as a new artist, you go visit every single country radio station that reports to the the charts, you know, like when you have a number one song. And that was going to start the middle of January 2018. And then my debut single, David Ashley Parker from Powder Springs, was coming out in March of 2018. So I knew 2017 was it. Because after that, I was going to be head down, nose to the ground stone, playing shows, being on tours. And, you know, hopefully it was going to, you know, somewhat take off and I'd be busy for the rest of my life, you know, for as long as I wanted to. So 2017, I made this conscious effort to go to as many games as I could. And I think I went to – I think I went to every home game, if not most of them. And then I went to uh, the Vandy game that year. Uh, we played in Vandy. I went to the Notre Dame game, uh, and I got to go to the SEC championship. So, all in all, it was like eight or nine games. And I and it was, you know, I didn't get to go to the Rose Bowl because, again, one of my goober buddies got married on New Year's Eve, and I'm going like, <laughs> what are y'all doing, man? We should be in California right now. And uh, it just it's so funny, man. But, yeah, that pretty much 2018, it's been – it's been tough ever since. Ignore my cat running around, but you can see his tail whipping out of the video.
1: Well, this is this is a happy detour because first off, I mean, couldn't have picked a better season to kind of have your swan song from getting to go whenever you wanted. What a what an incredible year it was. But let's let's talk Notre Dame real quick. What a magical weekend that was, right, dude? It was so epic. We
0: rented a bus and we took about ten or eleven of us up there. Uh, we went to Chicago the night before. A lot, you know, a lot of people did. And, dude, uh, Corey Smith was playing in Chicago that night. So I called him. I was like, bro, we're coming to your show. We're parking the bus right by your bus. And he's like, oh, sweet. Like, And so we hung out there, and we went to Wrigleyville during the day and did all those things. And, you know, on the tour bus, you, you go to sleep, and you wake up in the next city. So we woke up at, like, 8 a.m. We were in South Bend. And, man, it was so cool because the entire day was so – like, it was so fun for everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were tailgating – we were tailgating with Notre Dame fans. I think yep. everybody was just, like, sitting there going, we've been wanting this for so long, and it's cool that it's finally happening again. And, obviously, the game was just an instant classic. I mean, just um, between the, that crazy catch um, – oh, God. Who, who the hell Terry Godwin. That? Terry Godwin. That's right. I couldn't remember if it was him or Javon Wims, but it just like just insane. And it was just so cool, man, to be in South Bend, this historic university, you know. And uh it, it was awesome, man. Super cool weekend.
1: Did you feel like because I, I thought this was palpable? And you know, people say this, but you don't know till you experience it. But I mean, you could feel the ghosts, I felt like like you could kind of feel the culture and the experience. Like it was just it was different than anything I had ever felt or dealt with before and like I've told so many people look I don't even care if your team's not playing in it if somebody says hey I've got an extra ticket to Notre Dame game next weekend you want to go with me the answer is yes just say yes and then oh, make yeah. it happen
0: well it's so cool too like you can drink and walk around with a beer there because it's a private campus I mean it's yeah. their rules you know what I mean and it was so cool like seeing touchdown Jesus was man just I mean a beautiful you know piece of bar and it's so big dude it's huge crazy. It's massively huge, yeah. and, and it was just so cool, like, seeing the little mini sermons in between the time, the timeouts and, like, the TV timeouts. I was like, whoa, that's so crazy. You know, another place that I would, for as much as I'm not a fan of this school, I, I can't wait until we play the shoe. I can't wait till we play in Ohio State, which I think is, like, 2029 or something. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to – I would just love to go to that place – and check it out, dude. I mean, it's it's one of those, you know, like you said, just tried and true, um, traditional, historically badass stadiums.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and we were fortunate enough. My, my brother and I did get to go to the Rose Bowl. And that's another one, man. We've told people, like, look, I, I don't even care if your team's not playing in it. If you get the chance to go to the Rose Bowl, do it. Like, New Year's Day and the sunset over the San Gabriels. I mean, oh, it yeah. is just – out of this world just just so cool and i think that you know obviously for georgia fans the neat part about both of those experiences was damn all of athens was there man i mean it oh, felt yeah. like a backyard party it was incredible so yeah it, it was really cool man well um i know you got a lot going on you got uh might as well be me ep out right now and before we get to that i do want to talk with you about Dirt Road Down because that has been on my playlist now for about eighteen months. Just a fire, fire song, brother. I mean, that's a that's oh, a go to awesome, every
0: man. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic, and you know, you, you obviously put out great music, and I know you got things on the horizon. But one of the the exciting things for for the Georgia faithful is you're playing at the Georgia Theater, man, which is one of our favorite spots. One of the questions we usually ask our guests is if if you could uh, book the headlining act at the Georgia Theater, who would you choose? And so it's gonna be you on the 24th. And as a side note, and eight o'clock, right? Eight o'clock showtime. Yeah, yeah. I
0: believe yeah, eight o'clock. But uh, Lily Rose is opening that show. And she she is a I mean, she is the definition of a damn good dog. I mean, it runs in her blood. Obviously, yep. her father is Hondo, part of Georgia Bulldog Network. And I knew when we got that show, I announced it. We didn't ha- we hadn't picked the opener yet. And she actually texted me and she goes, Hey, if you Do you need an opener? And it was like the light bulb. I was like, dude, there's nobody else who can open this show and make it more special. So I'm so excited. She's going to be there. And yeah, man, I mean, it's like it's going to be killer, dude. I've played the Georgia Theater now, I think three or four times, but this is my first time as a headliner. And it's always been one of my bucket list things to headline the Georgia Theater. And I'm, I'm just so excited.
1: Yeah, so Kent State game that day, so everybody that's in Athens that day, it's a noon kick, early kick, gives you plenty of time to get a little nap in after the ball game, and get yourself revved mm-hmm. up, go see Lily and Travis in concert, 8 o'clock. I mean, that's that's about as perfect a day in Athens as you can get, man.
0: I mean, dude, it, it don't get no better. I mean, I, I remember always going to Friday shows, and then waking up a little, little hurt in the head, and then just going to the game, man. Like, that's what I did all through, like, the college years and stuff, and you know it was uh it, it's such a cool special venue and I, I tell people all the time man if that venue was in the pacific northwest i would still consider it one of my favorite venues because they've just done such a great job when they renovated it after the fire and they treat everybody so great the food is awesome the rooftop bar is killer and it's just uh, it's it's awesome man
1: so let me tell you uh interesting story about lily so my wife and I went to see the Sam Hunt show here in Charleston on the night before the Oregon game. So because we were doing that, I took a flight out Saturday morning at five thirty in the morning to get to Atlanta for the opener. Well, we go, we go to the show and you know, man, we got four kids. We're busy. I didn't really look at the, the card or anything. Well, Lily opened and man, her show was kick-ass. Like she was great. And about halfway through her set, she goes, I just need to let everybody know here, I know we're in South Carolina, but I'm a Georgia girl and we got a big duck hunt tomorrow. And I looked at my wife and I was like, (laughs) this is going to work out just fine. (laughs) You're like, I'm a fan.
0: You're like, shirt purchased, boom, done, game over, Yeah
1: hundred percent. hundred percent. So yeah, I mean, that's going to be an awesome show having both y'all there. That's going to be great, man. Well, so tell me this, what about the EP? What are you most excited about? Like what was the process in writing it and putting everything out and which song are you most juiced up about? I know it's kind of like picking your favorite kid, but but which one kind of is juicing you up the most, man. I mean, honestly, the song that
0: means the most to me right now is buy a girl a drink off of there. I mean, this entire EP, I think is probably the most reflective group of songs I've recorded of just like where I'm at in my life right now. Like I'm, I'm turning 30 years old, uh, on December 1st. Like I said, I'm engaged in planning a wedding and, you know, I just kind of, it seems like we're officially totally done with COVID as far as live shows feel like they're back for good and all that kind of cultivating, you know, into where I'm at, you know, I'm just in a really, great place and so a lot of these songs like buy a girl a drink you know it's very heavily inspired by me and Madison's story uh River Named Mississippi is just kind of a little redneck love poem to her you know and and then there's still those songs that are you know about the way I grew up like Don't Give a Truck and Red Round Here that I've always loved I love telling my story of how I was raised and the things I still love to do and so I think just it feels like the most truth true group of songs to me uh, ever because I just, this time when I was writing recording, I'm like, look, just write from what you know right now, you know, don't worry about does this sound like a hit or does this song fill up a good spot? It was just like, cut the songs you like, put them out and don't worry about it.
1: So you've obviously had a lot of success and, and I'm interested to know this. When you started your journey pursuing this path was Was this always the big dream? And I'll I'll tell you why I'm asking you that. We had Ray Fulcher on a couple of years ago, and we talked to him about his path. And he had said, you know, man, it it was kind of having one little dream and then hitting that little dream and then having another dream a little bit bigger than that one and hitting that one. He said, you know, I I think if I had thought of it in terms of where it's gone, it probably would have felt too overwhelming. Do do you feel similarly and kind of, I guess, give your side of that? Man, I think for me, I think it's a mixture of that, but I always
0: knew from the second I started playing guitar that I wanted to be in the center of the stage, behind the microphone, touring, singing my songs. Like that was always the goal. You know, now in what capacity that was going to take, you know, going to be like, is it 500 people a night? Is it 5,000? Is it whatever, you know? Obviously, that's still yet to be determined, like, as far as where it'll all peak. But I think um, I think for me, like, having after a few go number one in 2020 and, like, that song being certified platinum and stuff like that, those are definitely things that I obviously was extremely striving for, but I didn't really start thinking it was possible until a lot of other smaller things happened. You know, it's not like you just moved to Nashville and you go, like, yeah, I'm a. I'm gonna sign a record deal in three and a half years, and my second single is gonna be a number one, and it's gonna be the. It's gonna hold the record for the longest climb ever. Like you know, it's just like I'm. Go, I'm sitting there going, I just want some songs cut. Like I want yeah. Justin Moore to record my song, Jason Aldean, and so once I got there, it opens up more possibilities of things you didn't think were possible. I think that's what's great about the stepping stones through a career, is. That happens, and you go like, well, maybe I can get a record deal, and then you get a record deal, and you're like, okay, well, man, if I go bust ass, maybe I'll have a hit, and then maybe right. I can get a tour bus, and you know. But all those things, way down the line, you would ne- I never thought, oh, I'm gonna get a cut by Justin Moore, and then I'll just get a tour bus. You know, it's like it's, <laughs> it, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem possible uh, until it is, and I think I think one thing Ray's probably saying is like it's just a testimony to like. Don't get too worried about it, but just work your ass off and just be like, when you get something, hell yeah, celebrate it. Little victories are awesome. I literally had a conversation two nights ago with Sam Hunt. We're playing a couple of shows with him right now. And I told him how much those little victories of way back in the day, they seem like bigger little victories now. But you know, I I remember opening up for Sam Hunt in 2014 at some random show. And I was like, dude, I felt like I was. King of the world. Like I opened up for the hottest new artists in country music and, and, uh, just those little, those little victories get a little bigger and bigger until one day you go like, oh shit, I'm doing it. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm doing the thing that I dreamed of.
1: Yeah, that's cool. And that's great perspective. I, I think what I love most about that is the, the basis of that, right. Is I'm just going to work. I'll do the work. And if I do the work, the reward will come. And, you know, th- that's a beautiful thing. And I think a great thing for, for our listeners to take away. What was the moment on your path where you went, this is going to work. Like I've dreamed it and, and now I, I see the path and, and this is going to work. I just got to stay, stay down this road and, and everything's going to be all right. That's a good one. I, Cause some days I feel like I can find that point.
0: Some days I think that that ain't even happened yet. You know what I yeah. mean? I mean, yeah. it's so, it's, it's so interesting, but I mean, I do think probably one of the biggest moments for me was we played the today show um, right before the pandemic hit and we had just found out we were going on tour with Sam hunt. And after a few was like top 15. Um, Now granted the tour obviously went away due to COVID and things of that nature but I'm a Georgia fan. Like I'm used to the fourth quarter, everything falling apart. So like, it's not, it, it didn't, it wasn't as hurtful as I thought it'd be. Cause I'm like, dude, I mean, I've rooted for the, the dogs and the Braves and the Falcons. Like I am used to it being too good to be true. But that was a moment in my life where I was like, dude, we're, we were out with Dustin Lynch. We were going to have two weeks off then immediately start with Sam Hunt playing amphitheaters I knew after a few was going to be a hit. I didn't know it'd go number one, but I knew it was a hit. And we played the Today Show. I was like, "Okay, th- this is it." Like it, the ball felt like it was rolling fast, and of course, it got shut down by by COVID. But you know, I mean, we're th- dude. This year has been one of those years, man. I mean, we were out with Swindell in the spring, and that was like kind of our first really good direct support slot we'd ever had. And then we just wrapped up with Dirk's Bentley, who straight up was my number one bucket list tour that I ever dreamed of going on. And he's become such an amazing friend and an incredible guy. And dude, it's, I mean, it's still like just crazy to, if I get a text from him, I'm just like, I I wish I could go back and tell 19 year old Travis, like, Hey, you're going to meet that guy, the songs you're covering. And he's actually pretty nice guy. You know what I mean? And, so even this year I have to do, I can get wrapped up in all the crazy bullshit that comes with the music business. But I, I, I got a good buddy who's also an artist. And he told me one time, he's like, dude, I know you probably don't think it. He's like, but from my perspective, like you're, you're having an insane year and you should be really proud. So I'm, I'm trying to take it all in stride and smell the roses when I can.
1: Oh, That's beautiful, man. I love that. Well, you brought up something interesting that I, that I kind of got to, ask a follow-up question on you know you talked about after a few I knew it was gonna I knew it was gonna do well is that something that happens when you get in the writer's room some days and you put something down and start playing the melody and everybody keeps working it and as it goes along you go man we got something here like this thing's gonna catch it's gonna hit or you put some out and go man I didn't think that was gonna do anything and it's taken off like a rocket like how does what are the mechanics and calculus of that like
0: well, it's happened. It's happened both times in both those scenarios for me. I mean, I remember when I wrote after a few, I knew it was. I knew it felt good. And then when I got the demo at like two or three weeks later, I was like, "Holy hell, this is a smash!" Like it felt like a hit. But I was like, "This sounds like a hit for somebody else." I was like, mm. "And I would like I tried to." I was like, "I want to pitch it to like Luke Bryan or Dustin Lynch." Like I was like, "I feel like they could pull that off." It was before I had a record deal, but Brian Wright and Blaine Rhodes at Universal Music Group, who I like was kind of on their radar at the time. And ultimately they're who I signed my record deal with. They both were like, you don't, you don't need to pitch this song. Like this is your song. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And I still just, I was like, whatever. I I never thought it would really like, I knew it was a hit, but I, I, I just didn't know it would like go number one, you know? Um, And then one that I definitely just was blown away by the success was Dirt Road Down. I mean, I, as soon as I wrote it, I knew it was awesome. I was like, this feels, I love the way we twisted the hook and the Mm -hmm. melody at the top of the chorus was like, just super, it had like some pop sensibility, but it still felt very like rock and country. And so I was always, I was like, this is a killer song going on the ep but i just did not think it would have the streaming life that it had and it man like on spotify alone but of course across apple pandora and amazon dude it just like six months after we put it out it caught this weird little fire and i never expected that for sure i think when like we, we went to radio after a few i was like i think this is gonna work you know yeah but you also just don't dare, especially when you haven't had a hit yet, you don't dare to go like, oh, yeah, I know what the hell I'm talking about. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't. To this day, I still don't. But I do think there's a special moment as a songwriter when you do hit the nail on the head. I think everybody knows. Like, you you step back and go, yep, yeah, we we nailed that one. I knew when I wrote By a Girl a Drink, before the day we wrote it, I was telling my producers – I was like, we're going to cut this in three weeks. I was like, I don't even need to hear the demo. I mean, I was like, we're we're going to we're
1: gonna cut it. All right, I got to ask you one more music-related question, then we're going to talk some ball. I, I, I can't have you on here as somebody who writes songs, and I'd ask you about the Bluebird. I mean, it's one of my most favorite venues and experiences, um, really uh, across all genres, sports, music, whatever it may be. I just think it's one of the neater experiences. Can you talk about – Your perspective on the Bluebird and experiences there? Yeah, man.
0: It's, uh, it's, It's one of these things where it almost feels like cheating. Like, it's so special every time you play it. And I think because of the reputation it has, you know. And, I mean, people can sit there and say, oh, like, the show Nashville really exploded. it," And it did. I mean, it helped it. But when I moved to Nashville, like, as a songwriter, that was the Ryman auditorium for songwriters. Like mm-hmm. it was always packed and people, you know, were they were not talking and it was a great place to try out new uh, songs and like things like that. And, and, and sing the songs that maybe you couldn't sing at a rowdy bar in Athens, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, but you could yep. test it out. Um, I've had some beautiful moments there. I'll tell you, one of my favorites was the first time I ever played it. It was me uh Cole Taylor, Jordan Rager, and Farron Rachels, all Georgia folks. Um, Cole is one of my best friends in the world, same with Farron. And Jordan and I lived together uh early on. So we spent a ton of time together. You know, cool moment, high fives, like all that stuff, feeling on top of the world. Uh we get ready to hop over to Corner Pub across the street, which I, I recommend that if you ever in Nashville, it's just a fun little beer joint. They got good fried chicken. And and I look at the nine o'clock show and I hadn't seen it yet, but the lineup was Jesse Alexander, Tom Douglas, Dan Wilson, and Chris Stapleton were playing right after us. Yeah. And I, and I saw Chris come in and like, he wasn't a superstar yet, but everybody knew who he was. Yeah, I'm, Jesse, Jesse Alexander is one of my great, great friends. One of the earliest supporters. I wrote David Ashley Parker from Patter Springs with her and her husband and just I remember seeing that lineup and I was like damn we just opened up for them you know I mean we played the first show I was like that was pretty cool and you want to talk about Little Victories it was like I just want to play the nine o'clock show one day like that's I you know I just want to play the nine
1: o'clock show yeah so we we went my brother used to live in Nashville we went to visit him, and uh you know my wife went with me obviously and I said look man I, I got us tickets to the Bluebird like we gotta go. Like you've lived here nine months, you haven't been to Bluebird. We have to go do it. And it was, it was just unreal. Like the night we went, Busby was there. And oh yeah, rest yeah. in peace. He was yeah. such a phenomenal songwriter. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Um Lucy Silvas was there. She was oh killer. Uh, yep. Her voice is unbelievable. Like. You know, some people sing and it's like you can feel the emotion in the voice. And like she put on a show that night that was out of this world. Like they, they were just all incredible. And the neat part, man, is as you know, is the storytelling as you go around right. the round. Like it was just a magical night, man. We had the best time and like became fans of all of them and all of their music because of that. And it was really right. my first real introduction to the songwriter. Right. Because right. we live in a world of artists, but we don't ever hear the songwriter's story. Man, it changed my entire experience about how I consume music because now I look for songwriters before I look for artists. Right. So, yeah, yeah man, it's, it's just- so,
0: man, I think it's, I, I do think we are in the format of like, we do, in some ways, we, we champion the songwriter, um, you know, and that's, it's so cool nowadays. It feels like there's so many up and coming artists. That had hits or cuts on other artists. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, yep. some of them had an insane amount of hits. Like, obviously, Hardy has had he's had like thirteen number ones as a songwriter. And yeah. then, then there's me on the bottom of that totem pole. You know, but like, I got a cut by Jason Aldean, who like was my freaking hero. You know, growing up as far as like who inspired me, because he was from Thirty Minutes Up the Road. Like, you know yep. what I mean? Like. Right. And I, it's cool when you see more and more, you know, Ray Fulcher, Jameson Rogers, and, and I mean, uh, Mitchell Tenpenny, there's so many of us up and coming um, guys and girls that, you know, they get cuts and they get a little success there. And it's because I think our format is better when the artist is a songwriter at heart. I really do. I think, I think Taylor Swift had a big part of making that almost a standard, you know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, she was writing those damn songs, you know, and sometimes by herself. And that was very inspiring to a whole generation of, of new artists.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I, I do think it makes it identifiable for the listener because you go, they're just telling me their story. So I feel like you, you you get a kinship all the way through. You know, they're not just the vessel, but they're also the creator. So, yeah, that's a great point. Well, uh, well hey man, let's pick some games. Send you over to see C- baby. It's an interesting week this week because uh, we're not fully in conference schedule yet, but some interesting matchups. Uh, the first one I want to start with you on is who the dogs played in the opener. Uh, Oregon is hosting BYU, who just had a big win at home over Baylor this past weekend in overtime. And Oregon yep. is a three and a half point favorite. And, it, and in a lot of ways, we don't really know who Oregon is yet, right? Because Georgia blew the doors off of them and then they play, you know. Little Sisters of the Poor last weekend. And so this is kind of their coming out party one way or the other to see what they're going to be. So Oregon minus three and a half. Who are you liking that one?
0: You know, I lived in Utah for a few years growing up. My parents' jobs took them out there. And I was a Ute. So it's hard to pull for BYU. But I do <laughs> think, man, I, I think this is a make or break for Oregon on the entire season. They're at home. I don't know if B. I don't think Bo Nix is a producer of points, but I do think if a defense defense can't stop him, he will turn third downs and first downs. So I, I'm going to take Oregon. And I think three and a half is pretty good. They might win
1: by a touchdown. So my co-host James is taking BYU. He feels good about what they did against Baylor down there. They're two starting wide outs. He also, this is probably more about the Bo Nix experience than anything else. <laughs> so Yeah, for sure. it's It's hard for me. I'm like, I don't really want to pull her yeah. from
0: Auburn, but, uh, you
1: yeah. <laughs> know. <laughs> this, this is one of the tougher games on the slate this week for me, just because, again, like I said, I I don't know who Oregon is yet. And because of their game this past yeah. weekend, we have a little bit of an idea who BYU is because they're battle-tested. You know, they played a tough opponent on their home field, granted, and, outs, and it's always a tough place to play. That place will be on fire. The one thing I do think is, you know, it'll be a twelve thirty local kick. So – does that factor into it? I don't know. This is t- I've gone back on this like three or four times. I think I'm going to go with BYU. I picked them a ton last year, and they were kind to me. So I think I'm going to take them. But this is one I feel really uneasy about because I love Coach Lanning, and I think they have some electric playmakers on defense at Oregon. So I don't know. We'll see what happens on that one. <laughs> All right, second one of the day is a return trip from last year's game. Penn State is heading down to the Plains to play Auburn. Penn State's road favorite, three-and-a-half-point favorite, uh, playing in Jordan-Hare at 330. Who do you like in that one? I mean, there is no chance Auburn wins this football game. I think they're a
0: disaster right now. I'm I'm taking Penn State. I mean, I, dude, I got a soft spot for Auburn. It's one of my favorite places to party, and I got some best friends that are Auburn fans, but I just, dude, they are just in a tough little spot, I think. Like, I think it's, I don't know. I mean, struggle win against, what, San Jose State, like Saturday or whatever. I mean, just, I'm going Penn State for sure, man. I think
1: they're just a more solid team. Yeah, James going to be in the same boat as you, man. His uh, quip that he sent me was, I don't like either of these teams, so I'm just going with the yeah. more experienced <laughs> quarterback. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to take them too. I think when I don't know what to do one way or the other, I always look at quarterback play and as enigmatic as he is when he plays well, Sean Clifford is a good player. And so I think he showed that in the opener when they went to Purdue. So I I like Penn state here. And to your point, man, Auburn is a hot mess right now. You know, I I think Harson is just on borrowed time there. Obviously there was some flux with, the AD and president that used to be there and the donor base and that whole thing is just a house of cards. that's waiting to come down. So I'm with you, Penn state, man, all the way on that one. I think, I think that may turn into a pretty comfortable cover for them. I'll probably bite my tongue on that, but that's, that's how I feel about it. All right. Next one is sexiest team of the week, brother. App state hosting college game day for the first time, Detroit Trojans coming to town. Did you read the story that after A&M they had problems with their charter? They had to go back to the hotel that they stayed in. Hotel, no room at the end for them, so they had to stay in hallways and in the conference room on Saturday night till the charter plane. No got fixed.
0: way! I did not yeah. know
1: that. Yeah, so dang, they
0: didn't get, you know. dude, I saw I saw footage of Boone, North Carolina, and it was like it looked like they were gonna burn that city down, dude. I mean, it was crazy. It was like a a mob over here and a mob over here, and they just met, jumped up, and went. <laughs>
1: Oh, it was it was outstanding. I mean, Boone looked like a time on Saturday night, and good for them. But yeah, so hey, Boone Boone is always a time on a Saturday night. I've
0: been there one time, and it was epic. It was a lot of fun.
1: I'm glad you say that because I've been telling James that's on my list. I want to go to a game at Kid Brewer and then party in Boone. I've heard it's outstanding, so I, that's that's on my list for sure. Um, yeah, so dude, they didn't get back till like eleven in the morning the next day or something like that. So
0: oh my word, dude.
1: Yeah, so anyways, I thought that was, well, that I'm, was a I'm definitely,
0: I'm definitely taking. I'm definitely taking App State, and I'm taking definitely over 12.5 for sure. I mean, I think it's probably 14, 17-point game. And also my boy Chase Bryce. Uh, Jason Isbell tweeted Saturday, one of the funniest tweets I've ever said, seen, he said, Chase Bryce is either going to win this game or have 15 number one hits as a country artist because of that name. And I thought it was so funny. I, I, I replied to the tweet, and then Chase Bryce quote tweeted Jason and goes, hey, Travis Denning, can I get a feature? I said, let's go, baby. So Chase Bryce and me,
1: look out for the duet next year. I'm going to have state all the way. Oh, we're going to need that to happen. If I could throw out some song <laughs> titles, maybe we could do 17th year redshirt senior could be the first single because it feels like he's yes. playing college football since 1989. <laughs> So yeah, I, me and James were in the same boat. We were taking app state. There is no chance after that win last weekend, that they don't come out and just blow the doors off, Troy game days there. I mean, oh. it, mark my words. They will say on the show that it's one of their favorite visits they've ever had. I can just feel that coming. It's going to be just an oh, app.
0: It's going to be electric. It's just going to be utterly insane. I mean, it's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. that That's, that's one I'm excited about. And, that's just become a program we love to follow now. Like, they're just fun, and I love what they do. And what a weekend for the fun belt last weekend, right? Marshall goes into South Bend and gets oh, Good Lord.
0: Okay, next Dude, one... it was so awesome.
1: Next one on the list, I'll give you a little backstory here. I had three siblings that went to KU. So that's why Kansas is on the list this week. When you have a big win in Morgantown and you haven't been relevant in football since 2008, we put you on the list. Plus, interesting little matchup. They're going to Houston played Dana Holgerson's bunch who's had two straight OT finishes Houston is a nine and a half point favorite against the upstart Jayhawks who do you like in that one
0: I think it's a tough one because honestly man I think Kansas
1: is kind of
0: like on a little bit of a roll right now they seem to be kind of clicking you know just a well definitely more than they ever have you know but I think Houston had a pretty crap start um
1: I'm taking Houston for sure. I don't know about nine and a half, but I'm taking Houston. So James is taking the Jayhawks. He says – he just said rock chalk. That was what was in his quote Plus, he's not the the biggest Dana Holgerson fan, so that that certainly played into it. This is another one I'm pretty conflicted on. Kansas quarterback play has been good, and I think what their head coach is doing is good there. He's building a culture, and they've been so devoid of it for so long. Um, and I love momentum in college football. I think there's some reality to it. The problem is this could end up being a Jimmy's and Joe's type thing. Right. You know, right. Holgerson's got more roster depth there. And I don't know. I, I can't not pick Kansas cause it's my family. So I'm going to take the Jayhawks, but it's a very nervous. Hey, I'm, I'll just put I'm, it that I'm way.
0: <laughs> I'm hoping, I'm hoping Kansas wins. I hope I'm totally wrong. I just at Houston, and yeah. I don't know, man. I, I'm actually a little disappointed in Houston's production with just the first two games. I, I kind of thought they were going to be that weird little Cincinnati this year. You know, yeah. I thought that they were going to have, but, golly, you know, one and one, both, and one one win over time, one loss over time, just crazy.
1: Yeah. All right, next one on the list is SEC matchup. Um, LSU obviously had a tough opener. I was, got well last week against Southern. But they are a home dog with Mike Leach and the Cowbell Pirate ship coming to town. Uh, the Bulldogs from the West are two-and-a-half-point road favorites. Who are you liking that one? Dude,
0: I, I mean, I honestly can never in my life pull for LSU. I, um, <laughs> I just – I can't, dude. I just despise them so much. Like, purple is such a lame color for a football team. But <laughs> – dude i mean it's hard to go it's hard to go there it's hard to go to baton rouge and win i mean trust me georgia tried one time and it went very poorly and but man miss i just i don't know if this mississippi state truly has proven i mean they've got two wins obviously but to who you know what i mean like yeah. memphis and arizona i guess or whoever the hell else yeah, they play that's right that's right I, I think I think LSU at home, man. I think they pull it out. And dude, LSU beat the ever living mess out of that team this past weekend. I mean, that was just insanity. They had a rough. Obviously, they that first game was rough. But Brian Kelly is probably going to be like, I got I got to really prove something here. And I just don't know if Mississippi State's got it on the away game in the LSU, especially
1: a Western Conference game like that. So I'm going. I'm going to LSU. In the three years that we've been doing this, James has never picked against a Mike Leach coach team, and he ain't starting today. (laughs) He has taken the Bulldogs from the West. He loves him him some Mike Leach. So he has taken them. I think I'm going to take them too, and and this is purely a quarterback pick. Um, LSU, I think, has a lot of uncertainty. I know Jaden Daniels has transferred from Arizona State and has a lot of ability there, but they looked a hot mess against Florida State, and it made me nervous. now the the X factor in this is you, you got to win at Tiger Stadium and boy got to yeah. be top top five toughest venues in college football to go win at but I'm going to give some some deference to Mike Leach with a third year starting quarterback Will Rogers is going to put up video game numbers this year in that offense because they're going to throw it seven thousand times um, that's true so I'm I'm going to roll with that but this is another one where y- you hate picking against LSU at home so I'm a little tepid about it but but I'm gonna, I'm going to take them. All right, next one is a uh, f- familiar foe from the Houston game last week. Texas Tech going in to play NC State, who's been a sexy pick for a lot of people, obviously struggled with ECU in the opener. NC State is a nine-and-a-half-point home favorite. Who do you like in that one? I got I got NC
0: State at nine-and-a-half for sure. I think that's a, that's a two-possession game over Texas Tech. I mean, they're just – you know, I mean the EC. Yeah, that last game was pretty rough, but they just absolutely annihilated Charleston Southern, which may not be anything to write home about, but dude, they still score 55 points. I, I think I'm going. Uh, I, I just think they're going to score more than Texas Tech. I hate to sound. I hate to sound like John Madden here with the uh, obvious thing, but <laughs> I just, I I just see NC State pulling that out.
1: So James is taking Texas tech, but he's a little bit nervous because there is some speculation that the starter may not be able to play this week. Texas tech starting quarterback. So he's a little nervous about it, but he's going to take them. Um, I, I think I'm going to take NC state. Uh, I think that ECU team is going to surprise some people this year. So I think that's part of the reason it was closer than people expected it to be in the opener. And also Greenville's a tough place to go in and play, man. You play with against the irate pirates in the pirate ship and it, it's just a whole different thing. Yeah. So I, I think NC state's going to do it. They've got the capability to put up points and, and I like them in this one as well. So I'm, I'm riding with the wolf pack with you. Okay. Next game is interesting for a couple reasons. Number one, we always try to put Michigan state on the list when we can, because coach Tuck, we're always going to love coach Tuck. And yeah. man, they're going, they're going out to Husky stadium to play UW right there on the lake. One of my most targeted tailgates that I would like to attend is to go to do a little, do a little boat gating out there uh, with the Huskies. But, Washington, two-and-a-half point home favorite. So, in some ways, a coin flip. Who you liking that one? Man, I think I'm going Michigan State. I
0: just, like you said, I just think, I think Tucker's just got the thing. He's been there long enough now that I think there's just a jail going on. I just think Michigan State wins that. I just think they've got – they just seem to have the pieces, at least enough of the pieces every single year that they should be contending, maybe even at a higher level than they are. So, I'm taking Michigan
1: State. James is taking the Huskies. He, uh, he loves Coach Dude, me and Jack, me and James are like, I don't think we've had the same pick yet. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are oil and water this week on the picks. I can tell you one, y'all will have the same pick on though. And that's coming up. Yeah, at the that's, end true, of the that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, I think he's been nervous about Peyton Thorne, how he's played this year to start the year. So he's taken, um, taking Washington. This is another one. I, I'm a little bit up in the air on Washington. Ain't played nobody yet. Uh, the one thing that's intriguing about them is they got Michael Penix, Jr., who was kind of the one of the sexier players in college football in that 2020 COVID year when he was at Indiana, transferred into Washington this year and has put up great numbers so far. But, I mean, they ain't played nobody past high school level yet. So who? who how do you know what they are? And at least Michigan State has played two FBS teams. So. Right. I don't know, man. I think this is going to be a heart pick for me, even though it's a road game. I think I'm going with Coach Tuck and the Spartans. Um, you know, Amir Speeds there now, too. So, you know, it's a lot of things to root for there. So so we'll go with we'll go with Sparty on that one. Also, I'll give you a little interesting tidbit. Tom Sapp, who is the creator and inventor of the hairy dog mascot. Same guy yeah. that invented same guy that invented Sparty. He's the one that did the mascot design oh, for Sparty. So, yeah. So just because we love Tom, too, we'll, we'll roll Sparty in there. I All didn't right, know the next,
0: there was an industry. I didn't know there was an industry of uh, mascot designers. So funny I got the no wrong business, bro.
1: We, we didn't either, brother. We had Tom on the show <laughs> to ask him about Harry Dog, and it started the whole thing. He he uh he created Harry Dog in 1980, right before the national title run. That was Harry's first year, and then after Harry was on national TV at the national championship game, people called the university and said, "Who designed your mascot?" And he's, he's wow had a 40 year career designing mascots. now wild. Wow. Dang. So crazy. That's awesome. TV, man. TV. <laughs> yep. All right. Next one is a kind of a heart pick for us, too. We had the Roadrunners on all year last year because I mean, meet me, right? Like, how can you not have them on the docket each week? So they are going to Austin to play Texas. Texas surprised the college football world last week. And Alabama's a 19 and a half point favorite and just just got out of Austin with a dub. So, 13-and-a-half uh, point favorite over the Roadrunners coming off that emotional victory. Who do you like in that one? Oh, Texas for sure.
0: I just think – I mean, obviously, they're you know, they're having to handle the quarterback situation. And, and I'm not – I mean, I, I guess he's probably going to be out for a while. I'm not really sure. I didn't see any update on what uh, Evers is dealing with as far as that injury that he went out with. But, dude, I mean, and again, hate to give the Longhorns any credit. I mean, just <laughs> cannot stand to – But, dude, they played lights out. They just – there's a couple things they couldn't do, but at the end of the day it is against Alabama. I mean, for God's Mm -hmm. sakes, like Alabama is good. They're obviously beatable. I just think – I think Texas now has at least – I don't think they've proven that they truly belong in the SEC, but they definitely showed that, like, they're worthy of giving it a shot. So, I think the rest of their season is just, like, chip on the shoulder action and they're just going – Absolutely, try and cut the heads off of any opponent they can, and
1: playing there, dude, that's tough. So I got Texas for sure. So Quinn Ewers update is a little bit of duplicity because the media was reporting he's out at least four games, but then when they gave the injury report today during the coaches teleconference, they said they classified him as day to day. Which, brother, we're all day to day. So yeah. I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know how to take that. But, but that's what they're terming it, so we'll see. I mean, in fairness, Hudson Card, I thought, uh, equipped himself pretty admirably against uh, a Nick Saban defense last weekend, um, and they Absolutely. were, they were uh, quite the call away from being right in it. Did you happen to get to consume that game at all and see the safety that wasn't I, a safety? I did not see that. I
0: was um, – I, I don't know exactly where I was. I, I was kind of just waiting on the Georgia game. And then I checked my ESPN app, saw it was tied 10 to 10. So I kind of started watching fourth quarter. We had just sound checked. So I missed the entire third quarter. And I watched the rest. And yeah, man. I mean, dude, I I just I sat there and when they got when they stopped Alabama on that fourth down, and I was just like, dude, they're gonna they're gonna drive down there and score a touchdown. I could just feel it in my bones. And knew that third down sack, I was just like, dude. And then and then once that happened. I'm like, they're going to kick a field goal, but Alabama's going to get down there and score.
1: I I mean,
0: a minute and 29, like, come on, dude. Like, that's just – there's only one team that can stop them under two minutes, and that was us, in my opinion, last year. And I don't think – I don't know if that's really changed. You know what I mean? So, who knows?
1: Well, let's just say there was a very first play of the national championship game type call uh, where Bryce Young gets sat I think it was a sack in the end zone flag comes out late and they say it's a roughing the passer. And then they say it's under review for targeting. Well, then they come back and say, Oh, we misheard the penalty. So there's no roughing the passer and no targeting fourth down incomplete pass. And everybody's like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. So I was sitting there with my sister and I said, if you haven't consumed Alabama football for the last two decades, that would seem ridiculous and I'm I'm ready for the next play cuz that was just my expectation and that's what was going to happen. So, dude, it's uh, like I mean it, it it's like Brady in the NFL
0: like dude, I mean I I'm hands down think Brady is the greatest system quarterback in the history of football by a mile. But bro, like they they hand out some roughing uh the passer's big time with that man. Hey, you yeah. got to protect your you got to protect your number one player. And I mean, I get it sometimes, but man, when it, when it, when there's like games on the line, dude, that is like, that's a devastating byproduct of some of these refs, dude. I mean, like, I, I get it, but like, it just, sometimes you got to let it play out and you got to be legit. You know, I mean, you just got to yeah. call it how it is, but who
1: knows? Well, James is going to take the Roadrunners. They've been a heart pick for us t- since last year. This is one I'm conflicted on because I think a game like this, and obviously the the meme is Texas is back, right? That's been the thing for like six years now. But I do think this is a barometer of whether Texas is back or not, because if you are a good football team after a really tough home loss to a great opponent, a good team will come back. And do what they're supposed to do against a team that shouldn't be in the game with them talent-wise. And that's what this is. So, if they are evolving towards what they should be, they should cover this spread. And that's the question, right? So, I liked what I saw out of Hudson Card. You know, I think if, if he had looked worse, I would probably go with the Roadrunners. But I think I'm going to go with Hookham. I'm buying what I saw last weekend. And the thing for me was I thought they were flying around on defense, man, and played with a lot of ferocity. So you got to love that. I think culturally that they're starting to believe it, and they they seem to, to gel well. So also one side note, I don't know if you saw any of the top scapes of the recently renovated stadium, but they turned their player tunnel, if you see it from the air. That and the concourse above it is the Hook'em Horns logo. It is sick. Oh, that's
0: killer. I bet yeah. that's
1: awesome. It's sick. All right. Next game on the docket is Miami going to Texas A&M. Texas A&M obviously reeling, having a real hard time scoring points. Only ran 38 total plays last week on offense. They're a five-and-a-half-point favorite against the Hurricanes, Mario Cristobal and his boys coming to town. Who are you liking that one?
0: I mean, I think five-and-a-half points is
1: too low. I
0: think. I think – I mean, again, I am just like not a Jimbo Fisher fan, dude. I just like – it's like, bro – it's legal to use the NIL, okay? You don't have to be defensive and talk. Like, I, just, dude, that – oh, my God, that pissed me off so much. I'm just like, dude, smoke them if you got them, baby. We all know that's, how this works that's now. Right. <laughs> and, like, and you're asking, like – you're like, oh, no, no, no we, we really recruit. Well, yeah, you do, but also you can get somebody a million dollars. So it's kind of like, hey, screw it, baby. Um, I just – I think Texas a yeah, embarrassed. It was awesome to see them lose. Uh, one of my favorite things to see ever. But I just – I see this being a revenge game for them. And, dude, College Station, I, I can't wait for Georgia to go there, you know, uh, in, in the future. I, I mean, I guess we have been there before. I can't remember now. No, no. There be, yet. We, no, we haven't, right? Of, we
1: haven't. Because of the the way the whole conference schedule is set up now with the, the rotational stuff, yeah, we were not scheduled to go there. I don't know, till, till they've been in the league 13 years or something. So it's, it's bananas. Oh, wow. That's yeah,
0: so weird.
1: That's but why I, they're talking. They're talking with the yeah, shift uh, going to two with the two divisions. They'll just do nine game schedule rotating opponents. So you'll get to go to every school once every four years or something like that.
0: Right. Yeah. And I do. I want to go there and beat them in college station. Cause I think, I think that's one of the hardest places to play. I really do think Kyle field is insane. And, yeah, man, I just, yeah, I, don't, I just don't think Miami's got the wherewithal to go in there and just wax them. But, may, hey, maybe Texas A&M will fall all apart. I just don't see that happening, man. I still think they are going to win probably most of the rest of their games,
1: if not all of them. You know, I mean, they're going to struggle against some people, but I got Texas A&M for sure. James is taking Miami. I got to read you what he wrote. Miami cannot score – or A&M cannot score. I'm not sure Miami is much better, but a and offense stinks out loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Which I just love. That's my boy in a nutshell right there. Um, which he's, he's, he's kind of trying to pull me that way. I do like Coach Cristobal, and I think he can be successful at Miami. I just don't know if talent-wise they are there yet. Now, should App State have been able to go in and win – No, they shouldn't have, but that game had some quirks to it. And like I said, Texas A&M only had the football 38 offensive plays. I mean, not many people are winning a football game with 38 offensive plays. Is that going to happen two weeks in in a row? I don't think so. At some point, your roster talent has to show up. Um, So I'm going to go a little bit against my instinct here and go with the home SEC team just because I can't take a road ACC team going into an SEC stadium. Uh, So I'm going to take the Aggies too. Although this is one I may regret, because boy, I hate picking a And M. But it's it's a Jimmy's and Joe's thing. I just think they have the better Jimmy's and Joe's. At some point, that has to wear out. And plus, there's a reason they got big buildings in Vegas. And even oh, yeah. after the loss, they got them as a five and a half point favorite. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with the with the favorite too. All right, this is the money maker right here. This is what we're all here for. The dogs have to go to, and as the billboard says, when you drive in, famously hot Columbia, South Carolina. For a noon kick, it's going to be hotter than a $2 pistol at kickoff on Saturday. Um, so everybody better holler if you hydrate because it's going to have to be IVs everywhere. But oh, yeah. Spencer Rattler, quarterback, has looked like he did at Oklahoma. Less than impressive, I would say, given what the hype was coming in. Still, it's a large number, brother. The dogs are 24 and a half point. Road favorites, which we like to say is the new reality, and we are trying to embrace. It. But where are you I know on this it scares it scares the shit
0: out of me. But I, <laughs> I mean, I I got I got the dogs obviously by, by a mile. I don't, man. I don't know if they're going to cover. I don't know. Maybe maybe we were holding some stuff back. I mean, granted, we had a literal scrimmage this past Saturday, yeah. and you know, I talked to my dad. I talked to my dad about the Sanford game. And he's like, I just I thought we'd score more points. I'm like, Dad. If you watch that second half, it looked like the red and black game. I mean, it looked yeah. like we were just going like, well, Sanford is not even going to get a first down. So yeah. let's just do some stuff and see what we can mess around with. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope we win by 30 points. But, dude, i, I got to say, I literally love Coach Beamer so much. He's yeah. become a pretty good friend. We, he's become a pretty good friend, and we've stayed in touch. And – I would actually go to a South Carolina game and possibly wear garnet just to support him because I love him so much. Uh, I said possibly. I don't know if I could ever (laughs) truly act on that. But he's building something great there, man. But, dude, I don't think Georgia loses a regular season game. I'm just being totally honest with you. I think we're undefeated when we go to the SEC championship. We are just too Mm -hmm. damn good. And for the first time in my life, that doesn't feel like I'm gloating. It feels yep. like I'm just actually being truthful. And, bro, step was just – at Oregon game, I was just like, I'm going to get the mailman tattooed on, on my forehead. <laughs> I mean, I really am. I mean, I mean like 350 something on yards, I was like, what an absolute stud. So, dogs definitely by three possessions. May not be 25,
1: but I can definitely see 17 to 21 points for sure. All right. James is taking the dogs. He has no belief in Spencer Rattler and also doesn't think South Carolina's O-line is real good. also came out today that SC's starting defensive end and starting rush linebacker, both out for the year with ACL tears from Saturday, which you hate to see, but that matters in a game like this. Because again, I, I think I'm with you. I think coach Beamer's building something there and I think he's right person, right place. That's my opinion on it anyways. Um, but I think it's going to take a little time. Um, Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I thought his press conference last year after the Georgia game was just hysterical when they asked me, because, well, they got (laughs) 37 five stars. (laughs) Dude, what he,
0: so I, I, short story, I met him in Augusta, Georgia, at a show with um, Cole Swindell earlier this year. And it was so funny, like, as soon as I saw him backstage, I went, damn, that guy looks so familiar. And he came up to me and he goes, hey, man, I'm, I'm Shane Beamer. And I went, man, you see, coach, baby. What's up, baby? And we talked and dude, we just enjoyed some drinks, talked about football and life and all that. And I was like, this guy's so awesome. And obviously, I mean, hey, he's got some Georgia ties, and we tied yeah. his coach during the national championship run and stuff. And but I told him, I said, look, I know you hear this all the time, but your answer to that question is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> and he kind of started laughing. And he goes, well, Trav, I mean, it was a pretty dumb question. And I said, I know. And yes. I said, but but what I love about him is, you know, I love that game last year when going into halftime they were up. And he was like, I'm having a lot of fun. I don't I don't get to do these interviews a lot when we're actually winning. He's just so candid <laughs> yeah. and honest. And, dude, like, for me as just a fan of football, and if I was a football player, like, I would just – I would buy into that personality, man. Like, that's just – He has shades of Mark Rick in all the right ways of of Mark's just incredible personality and the way I think he connected with the young men on the team. And Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm super pumped for him, man. I mean, I think he's awesome. I mean, I do hope we whoop the crap out of him, but I am very excited for him for sure.
1: Yeah. I'm going to take the dogs to cover the number here. I think that it's just going to be an overwhelm with talent. You know, I think defensively, we keep hearing about how there's going to be this drop off defensively and Oh wait, we're two games in. And obviously one was against an FCS team, but your Georgia Bulldogs have given up three total points on defense. So it does not seem like the ledge is as steep as everyone assumed it was going to be. Uh, So I love seeing that. And I just think offensively what they completed a ball to 15 different receivers on Saturday against Sanford. And that's coming off the heels of I think nine or 10 receivers in game one. So the depth is there, man. Um, the one thing I'm a little – I've heard I've heard some very interesting stuff
0: too about – from some in, insiders just about some of the plays and some of the personnel we're using for those plays. I just think there's an insane depth mm-hmm. that – dude, I mean, Munkin is just in his freaking bag, dude. Yeah, it's just is, unbelievable. Man. His offense is just look. I mean, the offensive line is kicking ass. Stetson has all day to throw. And, you know, maybe they haven't truly been tested by a defensive line yet. I don't know. But I'm telling you, you, when you still get six seconds, six, seven seconds to throw, that's good offensive line right there, man, without getting a holding penalty or anything. I just – I think you're totally right, man. I think the level of talent, which obviously that's a big uh, – Big thing he picked up from his former boss, man, is like in, in dire straits, trust great players, not great plays. And I think Nick Saban built that, and Kirby just took it with him, you know?
1: Yeah, man, we say all the time on our show that the good old days of Georgia football are right damn now. And I think as oh, Georgia yeah. fans, we have a little bit of trepidation about embracing that because of our jaded past. But it's real, man. I mean, Kirby has built something exceptional there. And I think his responses after the blowout of Oregon were a perfect encapsulation of that. Just saying, look, standards don't need motivation. We're chasing excellence. And that's the only opponent we're after. And so, like, Mm -hmm. you can't help but just get fired up. Like every time he has a darn press conference, I'm ready to strap it on. And I mean, put me in the Oklahoma drill. I'm ready. Let's just do it. Like just ready to rip it. I know. know, man. But so, yeah, I like them. And I'm going to drop my, my fun South Carolina tidbit on you. The program is my favorite college football movie ever made. Maybe my favorite football movie ever made. And they filmed that at williams Bryce. So all the, the football scene oh, no, are at no, williams no. Br- Yeah. So um, I love that flick. And uh, it's, it's usually on the watch for me. Let me tell you another fun story about that movie. The original cut in the theater, there's a scene where they're at a bar and Alvin Mack says, Oh, Joey, you're going to be our fearless leader. Are we going? And he goes, yeah, I'm going to lead. The question is, are y'all going to follow? And in the theater movie, he walked out into the road and laid down on the pavement. And then they all walked out and laid down with him and cars are like driving over him. Well, after the theater version released like eight different players on high school teams across the country got killed because they went out and did it. Oh, doing that. Jeez. So they had to cut it. And I mean, you can't, I don't even know if you can find it maybe on YouTube, but so that original cut doesn't exist anymore. So now the, the scene just kind of wow. ends, but yeah. So those are my two program tidbits I want to throw at you, but yeah, I, I, long way to say, I like the dogs big on Saturday. Um, I think James wrote, they'll get back to party for a Saturday night in Athens. And I said, I like that. I'm I'm on board with that. So go dogs for sure on that. Amen. Well, uh, well look, Travis, we, we appreciate you taking the time, man. We know you're busy. Thank you for doing this. Tell everyone a couple things for us. Number one, where can they follow you and support you on social media? Tell them the handles.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Instagram is Travis R. Denning. You know, Facebook is just Travis Denning. Twitter, I think, is Travis underscore Denning. It's all the ones with a blue check mark by the name, not the ones asking you for money or gift cards or to call them, up and bail them out <laughs> of jail. Those are not me. Those are robots and people who have no lives and live in a basement somewhere. And, yeah, man, we're out with uh, Jake Owen all this fall, uh, kind of hitting a little bit of everywhere. And September 24th, my headline debut at the Georgia Theater, man. I think it's going to be
1: an unbelievably special show, and I can't wait. Yeah, so we're going to put all your social handles in our show notes. We'll also have the link to tickets for the Georgia Theater show to go see Travis. Be sure and get those tickets. I mean, there's no reason. I know all y'all and your mamas are going to be in Athens that day watching the dogs play at noon. And then, and then what? You're just gonna go home after that. Just, just carry yourself. You already got parking paid for. Just walk your happy ass right over to downtown, hit the George hey, Theater, and see listen. Travis.
0: Listen to here right now. Here's what we're gonna do. We're going to the game. Y'all go to the game. Go to All Good. Go to Bourbon. Wherever you want to go and get a couple drinks. We're doing the show, and I'm telling you right now, I am going to General Bogard's directly after my performance. So there you go. You got your whole day planned. You got. Just make sure you don't pass out before the show. Try and do it afterwards, and, and we can hang out. But we're going to General Bogart's after the show. Uh, it's one of my favorite bars there. I used to play there all the time back in the day. And it's going to be special, man. Super, super
1: excited. All right. Well, look, I don't know what to tell y'all. If y'all didn't listen to this and hang with Travis the last hour and not become a big fan of his, there's just something wrong with you. But get your tickets to the show. Go follow him on social media. Go see him on the road everywhere else he's going to be obviously a damn good dog if you listen to him for the last hour so let's support him everywhere we can and as we always end our shows brother go dog sick him yes Woo! Woo! right baby all right brother we appreciate it man hey we'll um we're trying to get it cut up and released soon either tomorrow or wednesday morning um i'll shoot over the links and everything if you have pictures or anything that you want us to use for like our social media graphics and stuff just just get them shoot them over to us and we'll get everything incorporated in and uh hey man don't hesitate to let us know if we can ever do anything to push a show or anything like that we'll help any way we can and if you find your way down to charleston holler at me we will take you out for a cocktail you
0: got it brother thank you so much seth i appreciate it all right travis go dogs brother go dogs man
1: hey george is better now